Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast with me, His Holy Mess, Father Paul Hulis. This is a podcast to encourage, entertain, and give hope to those of us who are striving to find holiness in a very messy world. It's also a podcast for all those who identify as a holy mess, like me, hence His Holy Mess. Are we not all in some way, because of our weaknesses and our sinfulness, a holy mess? Yet the good news is that God, who is supremely pristine and pure, entered the depths of our mess and the mess of this world and made it holy. And he doesn't just clean up the mess in our lives, but he redeems it, uses it, and turns our mess into a beautiful message of hope. So tune in, bring your mess with you, and join me for a clean but very messy podcast. One, two, three. All right, welcome back. Holy Mess is the part two of LGBT from LGBTQism to Catholicism. Tyler's story. Uh, happy to have Tyler back here. We're on a uh, this is the definitely the biggest uh time difference that I've had of any guest on so far. So, because Tyler's in Hawaii, as you already know, if you heard last week's episode, and I'm here on the east coast, so right now it's about 10 to 11 uh east coast time and only 10 to 5 his time. Uh, so, uh, I, I really appreciate Tyler's flexibility. Uh, welcome back to part two. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I think obviously I'm biased cause I'm the host of this podcast and I conduct the interview, but I listened to our entire interview, uh, as I was driving and I thought it was really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I definitely think it was one of the better episodes. Uh, definitely an important topic. Uh, I've spoken to a couple people uh, that thought it was a great episode. Somebody uh, even told me that it was phenomenal and uh, a must hear or must see. And um, so praise be Jesus Christ, Lord God in heaven. And uh, uh, about 200 people have either viewed or listened to part one so far. So uh, hopefully more people will listen to this episode. Um, you told pretty much pretty much your, your whole story if you want to, you know, fill in any cracks or whatever, or if you thought of some other things that, that, that you want to tell, but I, I realized that I wanted to have you back, uh, just to, just to kind of now talk about like present day in the church, uh, different things that are going on, uh, church teaching on homosexuality itself, just to get your perspective. Um, but I think I want to lead with something. If people are going to only listen for like three minutes, I want to lead with, um, because I don't think I do this enough. I mean, I always kind of do for sure. Um, but I, I just, it, it was weighing very heavy on my heart that like, because in this pride month, there's so much stuff, um, that I'll post or many other Catholics post about, you know, uh, and I think they're really reacting more to the, the movement again, the LGBTQ movement community rather than the, the person themselves. But, uh, there's so much anti-pride stuff, anti-rainbow that it really can make people with same-sex attraction truly feel alienated, pushed away, and that we hate them. And, and that's the last thing that, that, that I want to do uh, completely. So I just want to remind people uh, that like you are loved. You are completely loved. You are a child of God. Anybody with same-sex attraction at all, like you are loved, 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 loved. And uh, God doesn't make mistakes and God has a plan for you. And uh, the church is also here for you. Do we do the best job of of portraying that? No. Uh, and I know there's a lot of priests that um, have, a, have a great heart uh, or a lot of Catholics that their intentions are great, but it might still seem a bit hurtful. So, and maybe I think that's something that I want to talk about with Tyler today is how can the church do a better job while remaining true to what the church teaches, but also how can we be more sensitive? How can we bring people more into the fold rather than uh, to push them away? Because I have uh, the official teaching from the Catechism of the Catholic Church queued up here right now, and there's only three paragraphs uh, about it. But uh, in one of the paragraphs, it says that um, 
the number of men and women who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. I can't say the word, not negligible. (laughs) (laughs) This inclination, which is objectively disordered, constitute for most of them a trial. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross, the difficulties that they may encounter from their condition. Okay? So they, everyone, men and women who have homosexual tendencies, must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity, and every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. Okay, so we have to start there. We, we, we have to start there. Now, that doesn't mean when it says must be accepted that we accept the active lifestyle, that we accept that you could just do anything with anybody you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. Um, we are accepting them in Christ, in truth, in love, uh, according to God uh, and his plan for human sexuality. But there are so many times where there have been people that have committed suicide because they felt so rejected and so hated. And that's like almost another topic in and of itself. But, you know, mental health is is, is a huge issue and people taking their lives because of feeling that there's something wrong with them and that they're a mistake or that they'll never be accepted, that, that is, that's, that's an issue. That's a problem that, that we also, like, we need to do everything to try to help that. So, Tyler, you know, not that you're an expert on, on these. You're, 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 you're a man. You're a courageous man who, who tells his story and who has a beautiful witness, um, especially putting it out there on social media. But um, how can we, the church, myself, how could we do a better job of loving and walking with people who are who are same sex attracted um and not making them feel any worse about themselves do you have any any thoughts on that yeah i would say like approaching it with compassion um so when people come across people with same sex attraction whether they are in the church or outside of the church uh living that active lifestyle um approaching them with compassion and approaching the topic um, in a way to where like they realize or have in their mind at least when they are approaching it and talking about it that it is like a sensitive topic that people are dealing with and struggling with out there Um, because I feel like that kind of component is missed a lot of times when people are posting because even me like I'm very connected in like the Catholic social media scene so I'll during June like every beginning of June it's like you scroll through Instagram and you see everyone posting about Pride Month and stuff and I do see things every single June that even me as somebody who is um, practicing chastity and fully in the church even I feel almost excluded or like it's almost impossible to um, be like a saint or to be holy based on some of the posts that I do come across um, on um, Instagram. Like for example, there's, it kind of has a tone of like, haha, like we're right, you're wrong. And um, I feel like that's just not a kind of a welcoming approach um, to invite others into the church and to deep and understanding of the church teachings. So even, so there are, are posts from Catholics you're saying that, oh, yeah. that, that still, even though you are living this and striving to live this, that you feel like you can't cause it's us versus them. Yeah. And, and, and I think that there are some posts that I have done that makes it seem that way. And again, as I said, it's because a lot of times I'm trying to combat the culture, but I could, there could be people that are seeing the posts that are personalizing it. And it's not easy. Like, how do you do that? How do you combat the culture, right? Because we are, 
we're we, yeah, we're disciples and followers of Christ, but by our confirmation, like we're also soldiers for Christ. We're warriors, right? Like we're 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 we're, we're the, the 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 church militant on earth, you know. Um, not church militant like that, like media group. Not that's like something totally different. I, I mean, like you know, we're 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 uh, yeah, the 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 church militant here on earth. You got the church triumphant in heaven, and uh, the church. Um, I can't think of the other one, right? The church militant, the church triumphant. Oh, and the church suffering. Those are in, that are in purgatory. So we're here on earth, you know, fighting this battle. And, you know, Saint, uh, when Jesus said to St. Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. The gates of hell shall not prevail. That doesn't mean that our gates, like that, that our gates won't fall. It means that like, we are on the offensive, like that we are on the offense, um, you know, I mean, and really like, you know, our, our weapon is, you know, prayer and the sacraments and the rosary and, you know, the truth, not, you know, like actual fighting war, you know, killing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, we're fighting a spiritual battle, as St. Paul says, principalities and powers. Um, so there is like a, there is, there is a battle going on and there, there, there is a, a cultural war going on that is important that needs to be fought by Christians with love. And at the same time, there are people who are same-sex attracted or homosexual or LGBTQ or transgender or whatever. And they like, it's not enough for us to be like, this is wrong. And you got to live in the truth. Like we gotta, we have to, and I don't know what the answer is, but Christ would love them. Christ would sit with them. Christ would talk with them. Christ would dine with them. Christ would, he would want them so much to know how much he wants them to know the truth and to live in the truth. And um, so how, how have you, as somebody that's striving, you see this stuff, like how do you endure it and how do you persevere? Like what, to the person, so I just asked you a question to speak to how could the church do a better job? What can you say to the person who's on the other end seeing all this stuff? How can they persevere and continue, continue to live on in love and truth? Um, so like the person maybe like posting something like that, um, that is kind of more us versus no. them or... No, 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 the person, like the homosexual person that's oh, seeing sure. all this stuff, that sure. feels ostracized. Yeah. Um, so for them, I would say it's a matter of kind of distinguishing between like the church teaching and the person themselves who is posting this for them to realize that not everyone in the church is perfect. Um, because I feel like people just will see people post things online and they'll just assume that all Catholics believe that or all Christians um, believe the same thing, even if it's something like heretical, because then, of course, you have the people posting the we accept everything. And then you have the people who are like really hardcore, like, and too aggressive, like the us versus them thing. So um, I feel like in those cases, um, I would suggest those people like more like look into what the church actually teaches um, if they are even interested because I mean there's some people where no matter what you post no matter how fluffy and loving it is they're still going to probably be upset but the people who are actually looking for truth um, I would recommend them if that post kind of triggered some ideas in them some interest into what the church teaches for them to then from there go separate from just that post they see on Instagram or Facebook and look into what the church actually teaches and kind of study from church sources. Wow. You know, yeah, thank, thank you for saying that, that they, yeah, don't let one person or a couple posts represent, like find out what the actual truth is, the true teaching of the, of the church. And that, you know, we could go back to the catechism and there's a lot of other great resources uh, and, and also references and referrals as Tyler talked about in the last episode about courage international and Eden imitation. Um, it says here that uh, homosexual persons are called, called to chastity uh, by the virtues of self mastery that teach them inner freedom 
at times by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. Now, don't be afraid by the word perfection, okay? It's not like, you know, we're all, Christ said, be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Um, we will never be perfect on our own. Uh, Christ in us, uh, I guess, could perfect us, but we're never going to reach perfection till heaven. But the, 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 the point of that is, is that it is possible, by, especially by grace. Let me emphasize what he said, by grace, which is the life of God, which is the sacraments, also by the sacraments where we receive his grace and through prayer, like chastity is possible, okay? And Tyler is a living witness of someone who's striving to do that. And Tyler, because of your witness, have there been other people, um, don't say who they are, but have there been other people that have seen what you're doing and see what you're posting and have been inspired by you and, and have reached out to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do receive um, like DMs um, every now and then um, from people who come across my page or hear me on some like podcast or video and um, reach out asking for advice um, that they're interested in um, learning more or maybe they're struggling with a certain aspect of chastity and they are just looking for some advice so then I'm able to like relate with them and kind of give them some tips on what helped me what helped me grow in chastity um, based on whatever information they share with me I've been able to kind of say okay well maybe you should avoid talking to that person or maybe you should avoid um, doing that thing like kind of looking at what leads them um, to temptations and stuff and i don't know kind of guiding them from there and so that's some online some and of these then, people are same-sex attracted oh yeah yeah oh, so wow, they're okay. same-sex attracted and reaching out yeah and then in my personal life um people who i know um when I catch up with them and they find out like I'm living chastely now and um, they ask questions and even those who are in the LGBT movement still, they're more like, I don't know, ready to listen to me talk about it because they knew me before and they see my or themselves in me. So then um, they're more willing to listen to the church teaching like I've gone through literally pretty much those um, paragraphs in the catechism talking about chastity, basics of theology of the body with some of my LGBT friends in person. And none of them have like rejected it. None of them have gotten upset. Um, they're pretty attentive to listening to that from me. Um, so I, I don't know, I see that as a kind of a blessing and grace as well. Um, because it can be a little nerve-wracking to bring that up to someone in person as well. But yeah, I think because of my past and where I am now, they're willing to listen to that. Yeah, so you kind of indirectly answered a question uh, that I have here is if you still have friends from your time in the LGBTQ community for the for 10 years or i was wondering like did they shut you out or do you still continue to have uh friendships with them and apparently you still do yeah yeah i do i'm not as like close to them um as i used to be because i mean our interests are different nowadays because i'm in the church i'm going to prayer groups i'm uh, more involved in that and they're still like going to gay bars they're going on dates they're going to pride they're kind of in that world so our paths don't really cross as much um but i mean i still have dinner um maybe chat online or something text um catch up with friends i was actually just talking to a friend today and we actually talked about chastity as well so <laughs> i don't know whenever wow. it comes up whenever there's the opportunity i will talk about it with a friend so this is I I mean this is like a really a ministry for you. It's almost like a like an like another job uh, that that you're doing there. Um that that's really that's really powerful. Um you know So all right. Last week you had told me that uh initially when you were having this 
coming back to Catholicism thing, there was uh, some type of pride mass or LGBTQ thing at, at a Protestant church in Hawaii. And uh, it wasn't what you expected because you were looking to abide by the Bible and the church's teaching. And it was more of like uh, they were just accepting of the lifestyle. Um, there are, I'm seeing a lot of different flyers now for pride masses. Um on social media and in my own archdiocese, there are three that I know of. One had just taken place last weekend and two are uh, coming up. And, you know, I, to be honest with you, like I should, I should do what the Bible says. And just like, if I have an issue, I should go to the person directly and ask a question. Uh, and so I should probably just contact the pastors and as my brother priest and say, Hey, just, inquiring about this what's up with this what exactly are you doing there are you staying close to church teaching you know stuff like that yada 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 so um but these churches pretty much do it almost every year um and i have a huge feeling that it's it's more of a just an acceptance type of thing although i don't want to say that absolutely for sure but the way that it's talked about and promoted uh it definitely seems like it's just like you know uh like the place that you 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 walked into a, a couple of years ago. So what would you say to that, if anything, about because I'm sure these pastors um have a good heart and 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 think that they're doing a good thing. Um you know there is even uh in the in the diocese of Syracuse I just saw uh, a priest at a parish at a pride mass said that the church's teaching on homosexuality is no longer like binding. Like we don't need to live by it. Um, and our friend, <laughs> our mutual friend, Marilis, uh, she like tagged the, uh, the Bishop of, <laughs> of Syracuse. It's like, where are you on this? Yeah. Um, so what, what, what do you think about that? Uh, do you have anything that you could say to that of, of these, what these pride masses? Like I I'm, I'm literally just dumbfounded. I, I really, I, I honestly don't get it. Um, and I'll just read you a tweet that I uh, posted yesterday. Maybe you saw it, but basically I just said, can anyone tell me what exactly a pride mass is? Uh, and does anyone know why they are allowed to take place? It's extremely confusing and scandalous to the faithful. People keep asking me how slash why, and I wish I knew the answer. Any thoughts? Sure. Well, I guess my first thought when it comes to those kinds of like pride masses is they probably have, I feel like, good intentions. Like, I feel like their intention is to get those in the LGBT movement into the church which, I mean, isn't a bad thing. We should be inviting everyone into the church. However, um, where I kind of get a little cautious or like feeling a little uneasy about it is that um, they're calling it like the pride mass first off, which to me, um, I feel like, okay, we get them into the church, but then what are we doing from there? Are we telling them the truth? Um, in love and charity as like the catechism says and then are we helping guide them into practicing chastity and um, going to confession or like an rcia program if maybe they weren't catholic before attending this mass um, things like that to help start to catechize those people and bring them into the fullness of the truth and the faith or are we just kind of walking them in and just keeping them the way they are, not guiding them the way people should be guided in the faith. Um, because I think of myself, like if I would have gone to one of those masses and then like if I never was doing research on my own and here I was misguided by the priest or the other people leading these mass, like I would actually kind of be like I would be offended or upset <laughs> like that's kind of how I think about it in myself anyways like I actually feel kind of upset for anyone attending any mass where there isn't 
true guidance um, to the truth um, where people are, I feel, being misled. Um, so I think that's kind of where the clarification would take place and kind of get more information on that. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. You know, I, when I was interviewing Jason Everett a couple of weeks ago for the, uh, the episode on transgenderism with his uh, new book that he came out with excellent, amazing book. Um, you know, I had, had asked him about uh, the ministry of what he thought about um, uh, father James Martin. And uh, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Uh, but something that he said to me, um, and I might paraphrase is kind of like, um, like he's not building a bridge. He's, he's just kind of like um, building building a dock and saying, okay, well, now you're here. Uh, you're here. But like once you're here, then what? You know, mm-hmm. th- then what? what? And then, you know, Jason said like, you know, repent and believe in the gospel. So um, because Father James Martin is so prevalent in not only in this nation, in this world with his, I guess, ministry to the LGBTQ community, um, you know, do you have any thoughts on 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 Father James Warren and on his ministry, on his book to build a bridge? Um, anything, anything at all? And you know, we don't have to be bashing anyone, but we just we need to really talk about this because it confuses a lot of people. So, what what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Um, so, I guess I have kind of watched some of his videos and different interviews he's been a part of, just because I know there's always a lot of talk about him. So I had interest into just kind of hearing for myself from his own mouth versus other people's um, dialogue, I guess, um, to hear what he said. And um, I guess what I've kind of witnessed is kind of how we discussed where it's kind of like getting people to the church and like the very, very like basic of like Jesus loves you and all these things, which I mean, it's true, but then you have to like you said, repent and believe in the gospel. So I guess where I have like a disconnect, I guess, is where I'm not hearing that kind of repent and kind of the next steps once you are in the church. And then another thing I guess I've kind of witnessed is some of the phrases, like the kind of the wording that I've heard from him and other people that are similar in those kinds of ministries is it's not very like clear. It's kind of like vague dialogue, which could be misleading. Um, Cause I know for me, like I need something that's like black and white, like this is right, this is wrong. Um, this is how like we should be living as Catholics. Um, this is how we can turn away from sin, um, kind of like tips. But when it's kind of vague, even though it's not necessarily some of the stuff I feel like isn't going against the church, but he's not really like saying what the church teaches at the same time, if that makes sense. It's kind of like omission in a way, like you're not fully telling what the church teaches and helping guide people into the fullness of the truth. Yeah. Nice. He said that like a true professional. Uh, with with respect and and compassion, because you know people could be misled. But it, the interesting, I, I didn't think about the part about the sin, kind of like sinning by omission. You know, maybe not going against the church, but not offering what the church has to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which is so much. Uh, all right, so somebody comes up to you, Tyler, and they're like, "Well, you know what? Why shouldn't you just be able to love somebody like any heterosexual? Like, why can't you love? I mean, you're attracted to to men, or this person's attracted. Like, I have friends that are gay. Like, well, can they not experience love? Like, what do you really think God wants? That? What do you What do you say to that? Um. So to those situations, I will normally just confirm that like there is nothing wrong with loving somebody. Um. Because I feel like our society has changed the word love to mean like love and sex and all these different things. But I mean, you can still like love your parents. You can still love your friend. You can love your cousin. Um, That doesn't mean that you're doing sexual things with those people that you love. Um, So uh, I first try to define like what love means to them. um, So that way they're not 
kind of misusing the word in that sense. Um, so then I do clarify, of course, I can love other men, but when it comes to like sexual things with other men, um, that's where like the line is drawn. Like I can, I confirm with them, I can have friends, um, close friends that even have same-sex attraction, but it's the acting on it part um, that is where the line is drawn. Um, so I kind of go that route when approaching those discussions. Well, what's wrong with that? Why can't you be physical with them? Why, 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 why can't two women be physical with each other to express their love? Why can't two men be physical with each other to express their love, just like a, a man would with a woman or a woman would with a man? Why not? Sure. So then I kind of go into some of the basics of theology of the body. So I kind of break down the purpose for sex. So purpose of sex for like procreation, um, like within a marriage um, bond. And then obviously, like no matter how hard you try with two men or two women, it's not going to be like you're not going to produce new life. So that's kind of defeating the purpose of why we have like the sexual organs and all of that which are complementary in the male and the female so it's like i really break it down to the basics of theology of the body purpose of sex and um kind of that natural like law of human sexuality as well um to try to go from there breaking that down with people yeah you know and it's interesting because you know sex is not only for the sole purpose of procreation it's also mm -hmm. for the the union the bonding of the couples right b and b mm -hmm. uh babies and bonding bonding and babies the unitive and the procreative uh ends i think of of, of the act you know the unitive uh the, you know, and, and physically that's the thing, like with the body, right? Our body stamped in our body, you know, is our masculinity and our femininity, uh, literally, you know, um, our reproductive organs. It's the first thing that, you know, how, you know, whether a boy is a boy is a girl is a girl by, you know, what are their genitals? Right. That's just something, what is it? What, you know? So, and yeah, you could tell that a male body, right? A male body and another male body, they're, they're not made for each other. There's no unitive physically. We express ourselves spiritually and emotionally in and through our body. You and I right now, yeah, we're talking, I'm talking to you, but I'm doing it in and through my body, right? So two women's bodies, you could tell her they're not made for each other. But a man's body and a woman's body quite literally are, you know, like uh, in 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 terms of the 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 unit the union and the procreative act. So, yeah, I mean, I cannot think of anything more than to beg people to please, please learn the theology of the body. Check out YouTube videos, podcasts. On John Paul II's Theology of the Body, there's so many. I mean, obviously, Christopher West and Jason Everett are two of the most famous. There's also many great women who, who teach it, uh, Jen Settle, and there's so many people. The Theology of the Body, I'm telling you. When I was ordained, Tyler, on my ordination card, uh, on the back of every single ordination card, it said, please study and live the Theology of the Body because the Theology of the Body, the theology of the body changed my life it changed my life mm -hmm. um now i don't know if you're gonna have an answer to this next thing that i'm thinking about but i'm thinking about people who are in long-term same-sex relationships uh possibly even legally married because it's much more common these days um and they love god and they might be listening to this or watching this right now but they're over, been already in such a long, they've been with this person for a long time. What could we say to them? How could we, they, they want to, they want what the church has to offer. They want to go to heaven. They love God. 
they this is all they know their whole life ever since they were a little kid they just i like the same sex and they're in this long-term committed relationship again i am putting you on the spot but is there anything that we could say to these people well i definitely do feel for people who are in that situation because i know that would be like a really difficult place to be um because i even think of myself where like if i would have been in a long-term committed relationship like i don't know if i how i would have handled that or if i would have been interested in leaving that for the church um it's i don't know i can see where it'd be a really difficult situation um but i think what it would come down to and what i would kind of recommend to that person is to um just pray about like god's will um because while we're on earth we should be trying to do god's will um and when they are in that situation that's not a relationship that like would be a part of god's will i would say just because it's not um towards like a marriage like that relationship would never lead to a marriage in the catholic church so um if i would say it's great that they're pursuing god and they are interested in following truth and everything but i would recommend that they pray about it and truly consider um what their situation is i guess in the eyes of god and maybe thinking about like i mean like our the one of the first commandments is to only have one god so if you have that over god to me that's kind of like in a way an idol so it's like you have to kind of choose at some point are you going to continue living in any aspect of that lifestyle over a full communion with god or are you going to leave that behind and just give god your all that you can um so i know it's not it's easier said than done but <laughs> I mean, at some point, I think it has to come down to that decision. Are you willing to fully like walk away from that and then choose God? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you can never talk to that person again, because I mean, they could still, if possible, just hold on to like a friendship with that person, like separate and go through like a civil divorce process if they were like civilly married in a court or something. Um, but separate from them, like not living together, all of that, just be friends. Um, if that's something that is possible, that would be great. But um, at the end of the day, like you have to decide if you want to put God first and move forward fully in God. I, I, you're good, man. Uh, <laughs> you're wow. You're good. Yeah, I, I could tell you really have really prayed a lot about this and really um uh yeah wow uh thank you thank you for sharing that um you're reminding me and i want to share something personal about myself as an encouragement to those people that you were just speaking to and now yes i get i understand that what i'm sharing is about a relationship with a woman you know but look i mean feelings are feelings right Relationship, like if you're in a re, re, relationship with somebody that you love and you might have to break up or let go, like I, I, I'm not a homosexual, so I, but I got to assume it's like the same exact thing. You're in a relationship and there's a sacrifice being called for. And uh, I want to share two quick things that you just made me think of about my own life. Uh, in 2002, I was in a relationship and the Lord was convicting me that the steps that we were taking in that relationship were not of him and um and he was calling you know us to live chastely and to wait for marriage and all that stuff and i had brought it up to her and long story short it became this big thing and she thought i was being brainwashed by the church mm -hmm. and and all this stuff and I knew that I had to make a decision because I had already given my life to God 
And here I was feeling convicted that God was calling me to live according to his teaching on human sexuality and his call to love. And we were, me and my girlfriend were not in the same space. She was a great person. She wasn't, you know, but just in the faith journey, we weren't in the same space. And I was terrified. I, I, cause I didn't want to lose this person. I love this person. They were like my soulmate. I didn't want to lose this person at all. And to make a long story short, man, I remember being physically shook, physically shook. And I'll never forget, I was at the gym uh, with this guy, my friend Justin Fatika, and he said something like, this sometimes, this is, this is what it takes, the, this sacrifice that you're, that you're feeling right now, this, this pain, this suffering, yeah, that, that's sometimes that's, that's what we're called to. But, but, just, but, just, but just take that leap of faith and Christ is going to be there. You know, you, if you put Christ first, I'm telling you, everything else is going to be fine. If you put Christ first, I don't, I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. Man, it hurt. But I'm telling you, by the grace of God, I mean, look where I am today. And that's not because of me, right? Mm -hmm. I want to share another thing with you. A couple of years later, I had felt convicted that I was called to go to the seminary. And after I had interviewed and applied and I was accepted to the seminary, I, I met like, like the girl of my dreams, like the best. I wasn't in the seminary yet. And her and I, we had known each other through this play that we were doing. And I ran into her like a year later after I was accepted. I wasn't a seminarian yet, but we started to be friends. And then we wanted to date each other. And I, I, God already let me know that he wanted me to go to the seminary, but I was thinking like, well, I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to see if I would say yes and give him my all. And this is my reward. And like, you know, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I, I want to marry this girl. Like, so it was just went back and forth for weeks and for months. And it was such a hard, hard, hard time. And man, I was so upset the day that I realized the day that I realized that I had to completely cut the friendship off the really i had the complete because i just couldn't do it i couldn't just be friends it was more than that there were emotions involved feelings involved and i cried hysteria i was at my my pastor's office and i was hysterically crying hysterical 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 i didn't want to let her go but i knew that god i i that was calling me to go in the seminary and Monsignor Paul, he slammed his fist on the on the desk and he put his one hand on my shoulder and he said God knows the sacrifice that you're making, and he will not be outdone in generosity. That was August 2005. And I don't know what he meant by that, but just whatever he said, that's so firmly, he knows the sacrifice that you're making, and he will not be outdone in generosity, right? Fast forward five years. Fast forward five years. I mean, I, I enter the seminary. Five years later, I'm at my ordination to the diaconate where I'm about to make the promise of celibacy. And the archbishop in his homily, uh, he's preaching to us. There's 18 of us. And he doesn't know my story. He doesn't know the thing with the, the woman that I had to let go of in order to go into the seminary and the sacrifice. And he didn't know Monsignor Paul's words or anything like that at all. And there we are. And he's reading from notes. But at a certain point, he stops reading from notes and he looks up at us and he says, my son's. God knows the sacrifice that you're making, and he will not be outdone in generosity. I couldn't believe it. I started crying right there in my ordination. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He, he, this was of him. He came through. This is like, and, and I'm telling you, like, I didn't, for both of those relationships, I didn't want to let go at mm -hmm. all. Now, the first one, you know, I, I'm not sharing all the details. It wasn't just me that was like, all right, I, I'm going to, you know, be a good Christian, live by the church. It was a little more complicated than that. But, you know, uh, yeah, event, that is ended up why the relationship ended. And then, of course, for me to go into the seminary and because God had bigger plans and more fulfillment. If I would have been most fulfilled there then maybe that's what he would have led me to, even though he's the, our number one fulfillment. But like, 
God will not lead us astray. He didn't bring you this far to leave you, fall you flat on the face. You don't need that person to survive. That person is not your end all be all. Whether you're gay or straight, no I remember when my junior, my, my, my girlfriend in high school, my junior year, when my girlfriend broke up with me, I thought it was the end of the world. Yeah. Now, maybe all teenagers, teenagers think that. I don't know. I thought it was the end of the world. I thought it was the end of the world. I was sick. I was sick. Mm-hmm. And six months later, when we're at the prom and she wants to dance with me and she tells me that she's missed me, that she misses me, I wasn't interested anymore. Look what God does. Mm-hmm. So have faith. Have faith, have faith, have faith. God will not be outdone in generosity. He will not be outdone in generosity. He will not be outdone. So I'm sorry to have talked about me so much in that situation, but you sparked something in me uh, because I think you spoke so beautifully to those people. Um, Wow. All right. So what can I ask you in this time? All right. So you already, obviously you like the theology of the body. Oh, um, so your family had a big issue when you first came out. Then you said they kind of came around a little bit. How are they now? Like when you came back into the like, were they like thrilled and doing jumping jacks? Like how how is the family situation now? Um, I think at first they were kind of caught off guard. They're kind of like, what? Because it kind of came out of nowhere. Because I mean, those who listened to the last episode and heard how kind of the Holy Spirit was kind of driving my journey back into the church, it kind of came out of nowhere. So people weren't expecting it, and it wasn't something that I like initially talked about right away because i was like oh well if i decide that the church isn't for me and then i decide to leave like i don't want them to know that i went to church for two months and then then get all excited and then then all of a sudden no i'm not going to church anymore so it took a little bit um before i actually started talking about it with family and friends but um they were i don't know they were happy and supportive of of me um, and they were glad to see that I was back in the church and um, looking to live um, faithfully to the church's teachings. Um, although I do have some kind of more, I would say, like liberal um, family members as well, that even to this day, they don't really understand it um, because they, I guess, like they're not in the church. So they were supportive of how I was living previously. Um, So yeah, even to this day, when I go and visit um, where they live, they'll ask, oh, so are you dating anyone? And I'm like, no. And I like hold up my ring. I show them my hand. I'm like, no, I'm not dating anyone. I'm still living um, single and still um, going to church, living out the Catholic teachings and chastity. Um, so I kind of have to give a little reminder here and there to those family members, but yeah, the Catholic family members, yeah, they were caught off guard and then now, yeah, they're really happy. They're really, um, supportive. They're, they tell other people my story when they have conversations and something about LGBT or something comes up. So yeah, they're kind of giving others hope now too, um, through that story. Wow. That's so that, the powerful, beautiful. What does that ring represent? You held up a ring uh, for those that are only listening. Uh, what does that uh, ring represent? Sure. So um, when I got confirmed, because I didn't go through confirmation in high school, because I just wasn't interested when I was living my testimony. Um, so when I got confirmed coming back into the church, I decided that I wanted to just live single for God and live out chastity. So um, at my confirmation mass, like I said, a prayer to God that um, I will live out chastity to the best of my ability as a single person. I won't date anyone. I won't be in a relationship with another guy, like all of that. I just kind of made a promise to God and decided to um, start wearing a ring um, from there. So I live like a dedicated single life um basically for god and that's what the ring represents beautiful um so there's something i i I could have the wording wrong on this uh is it called reversion therapy where people try is it called reversion therapy is that the thing 
Uh, conversion therapy. Oh, is it conversion therapy? Where like, yes. so if somebody presents himself as same-sex attracted or homosexual, that a therapist will try to like get them to realize that they're that they're really not and that they're straight. Is that what we're talking about here? Um, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I've heard of it. I've never actually like seen it or known anybody that's done it or anything like that. But like, is that something that you've heard about? Is that something that, 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 that actually has worked? Is it totally a, a quack thing? Like, cause there's a lot of, obviously in the LGBTQ community, there's a lot of negative talk about it. So I guess, what I'm asking you is, hmm, here's what I'm asking. Um, is it possible for somebody who's same-sex attracted or homosexual to then all of a sudden be attracted to the opposite sex? Um, if you could speak to that maybe, and then if you've heard of anything of that whole reversion conversion therapy. Sure. Um, so I would say it's not impossible because, I mean, anything is possible with God is what I believe. Um, but I don't think it's something that should be, like, forced or expected of people um, who come back into the church, which kind of brings me to the conversion therapy side of it. Because I know prior to me returning to church, I would think um, of, like, Christianity. And um, I would actually meet people who were secretly living in the LGBT community, but they were actually... Um, like, well, they were like Protestants, but they were in Christianity. And so they were kind of like living on both sides, but they would talk about how like, I don't know, the church has like these expectations and everything, um, which I haven't experienced in Catholicism. Like no one has ever said, oh, you need to like date women or you need to get married or um, like, are you attracted to women now? Like, I haven't experienced that in the Catholic Church, but I guess the idea of conversion therapy, though, is kind of like a almost like a pressure to mm. um, get married and a pressure to change your attractions um, as if that's something that's necessary for like your salvation. Like to me, that's kind of what comes to mind of that. And I do think of like, it's more like, parents of like maybe teenagers or something being sent to that um, although I do hear of like some adults going to it as well um, like for me I'm not against anyone who maybe wants to seek counseling or something um, in their journey back to the church um, maybe talk to somebody about like their sexuality and issues that maybe they're coming across um, but um, yeah, like I wouldn't necessarily approve of people being forced to go into like some kind of conversion therapy against their will to try to change their orientation. Because I mean, if God wants that to happen and wills it, like I feel like that's something that's possible, but I don't think it's something that can be forced onto somebody or changed in a therapy session. Amen. Wow, beautiful. All right. Uh so I'm not going to say his name, but uh, I sent you a couple episodes of a friend of mine who uh, was a priest. Um, I would have never talked about this publicly, but he released a couple episodes of an interview with him uh, talking about his story. But not only that, when I posted my this episode, uh, the, the episode with you and I, the part one, uh, he immediately um, wrote the following. Okay, uh, and I just want to know if you have any thoughts on this. Um, basically, uh, he said this episode. Oh no, that, that's what I said. He said you should invite me. All right, so basically, here it is. Okay, uh, he was ordained the Catholic priest and he ended up leaving the priesthood and now he's an openly gay man. Okay. And he's open and out. And, uh, so he saw the post of me and you, and he said, uh, you should invite me to share a different perspective. I totally embraced theology, of the body and the sacramental life of the church and was still self-loathing, neurotic and anxious. 
When I embrace my identity as an openly gay man and a disciple and a beloved child of God is when I truly felt interior peace or inferior peace. I'm not sure what he meant by that. So, you know, and I'm really good friends with him, like really good friends with him. So I just like shot back. I'm like, well, this episode is about Tyler, not you. And I said, this podcast is a Catholic podcast that remains faithful to what the Catholic Church teaches and so on and so on and stuff like that. Um, but I did go ahead and I listened to the three episodes of his story. And then I had about a 90 minute to two hour conversation with him on the phone the other night. Um, even if you didn't hear any of the, what I sent you just from what he said there, uh, about, cause the way that I promoted your episode was like, he didn't find what he was looking for in the LGBTQ community. He, you know, but when he came back to Christ and the church is when he had joy and peace. And, and so he's saying that he embraced the allergy of the body and the sacrament of the life of the church, but he was still self-loathing, neurotic, and anxious. But when he embraced basically the LGBT community, that's when he felt peace. Any, anything on that at all? Um, to me, that sounds like a case of maybe like the cross was really heavy. Cause I mean, it is a really heavy cross. Um, to carry um, in Catholicism. And I mean, it's not always easy. Um, there are moments where it is hard. Um, so I could see maybe like giving in and going into that LGBT lifestyle, not having to pick up your cross. Maybe that's where the like, I don't know, relief or I forget the words he used, um, but like peaceful feeling. Because I mean, if you're not having to carry a cross, I mean, then life would be a little bit like quote unquote easier, I guess, um, even if it's not that like true peace, I would say. Um, so I feel like that maybe is a misunderstanding he's having or regarding like his feelings or that um, sense of like peace that he has, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I know him. Uh, and I, and he, he did, I look, I don't know everything or whatever. Uh, the guy is a great guy. He did try. I mean, he written for a long time for a long time. And, and so I do want to uh, say that I, I do think that he really did carry this cross, um, really did. Uh, the question is, you know, did he put it down or not? I, I don't know. I'm not him. I'm not in his shoes. I don't know, but. Um, I think, you know, this is getting around. He wants to come on this podcast and to talk about it. I'm not sure if that's the most prudent idea. Um, but he, you know, I would just, I would, I would, you know, be my friend and be his friend and, but stick to the truth and all that type of stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's fascinating. You know, um, I love him so much. What a great man, great priest. And it was all kind of took a lot of us by surprise. You never know what someone's dealing with. You never know what's going on interiorly in someone's life. And I don't know what the answers are, but I do, I do believe that uh, it's, it's in Christ in and through his, his church. Um, and it's where I find salvation. It's where I find life. And it's where I find true peace, and it's something that I've given my life to completely, and I do not believe that the church is with error. I, I, I just don't. Are, are people, do, are peop, do people in the church <laughs> error and have faults? Yeah, 125 million percent, but I just don't believe that the 2,000-plus tradition of the teachings of the church that have been unchanged since Christ himself and even from time uh, be, from the Old Testament, I, 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 it's just like, I don't think the church needs to change all of a sudden now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, that's his journey. Thanks for your, your, your thoughts on that. Um, I would love for you to listen to it though. And we could even talk offline about it. And I asked, I, I, I asked him to please listen to your story so who knows? Maybe the Lord could could work in and through that. Um, so on the East Coast here, it's 11.55 p.m. Um, I have a thing that I do just for my own mental health where like all my stuff shuts off at midnight or maybe it's 12.05 p.m. 
like I just my stuff shuts off, which is like uh, dummy, stop scrolling and go to bed. <laughs> uh, you know, so we pr- probably have about five more minutes left. Um, is there anything that you want to say? Any thoughts, any questions, any comments, any concerns while I ask the Holy Spirit for any last things to ask or talk to you about? Sure. Um, I would just say to anyone out there with same-sex attraction that, of course, the cross is heavy, but you're not alone. Um, and it's the narrow path that is going to lead us to heaven. And any suffering we have on earth, we can offer it up and unite it with Jesus on the cross. And I truly believe that the church is the truth and that it'll be worth it in the end if we stick it out. Amen. Do not underestimate the grace of God. His grace is sufficient. And Tyler, I just had a friend over here, uh, another priest. His name is Father Bogomil. He's a a brilliant genius, loves John Paul II. He's from Poland, loves the theology of the body. So he told me to ask you, um, where do you, and I pretty much have been talking about this forever, but I'm just going to ask you because he asked me to ask you this. um, How do you view the work of grace in your life? And then he's like instantaneous, gradual, like, why you and not others so but i'll just stick with how did how do you view the work of grace in your life sure um so i would say definitely i wouldn't be where i'm at without god's grace because it's not an easy uh, it wasn't an easy adjustment it wasn't something that i thought would be possible to live out chastity and to live fully in the catholic church so i do believe that Um, because I opened my heart to God, that I did receive um, a lot of graces to help me in my state of life in um, living out the church's teaching. And I don't necessarily think it's unique to me. I feel like those graces are available to anyone who opens up to God and seeks him out and um, asks for those graces from him. Amen. And, you know, we're just going to do a fire round thing here because I did ask people on social media uh, to ask questions and then like nobody did. And so then I did a video like, oh, so you all want to complain when I but you're not going to have questions. So uh, I took a couple pictures of some questions here. We don't have much time left. Uh, Where are the? Okay, so uh, just a simple question with all things being equal, theoretically, what benefit? With all things being equal theoretically, what benefit do drag queens have for children in school? Um, I really don't think there's any benefit to having them in school besides trying to get the children on board with all of that agenda and ideology. Okay, thank you. Uh, Next question. Uh, I should have said the name. Who was that person that I said? That was Ed Gilligan. Okay, this is from Andrea Kennedy Fritz Morris. Um, how do you handle both sides of it? Of it, um, Sometimes in a certain group, they have extremely different views and the conflict can be too great to find peace. So I think what she's saying is both sides of the LGBTQ question, community, the faithful, those, you know, and you've kind of already spoken to that, but do you want to say anything about it? Sure. Um, I am just patient and loving with both sides. Um, Of course, I do stand on the side of the Catholic Church, but when I hear people opposing that, um, I do see myself how I used to think in that way. So I just have patience with them and pray for them to um, be open to the truth one day and realize um, the truth for sexuality. Okay, this, thank you. This question is from Jake. Money, three, three, three. Uh, Why is it that they want everyone to agree and accept their right to think and be who they want to be, but they don't accept the right of others who disagree and think differently? Um, I think it comes down to, I mean, the movement is literally called like pride. So it comes down to like the pride of the person, like they want to be acknowledged because I feel like in the past they have been kind of, shut down and rejected by people so they want that acceptance but unfortunately they're not thinking about the others around them and how that affects other people when 
becomes all about them and pushing what they want into society. All right. Well, that is all. Unfortunately, well, we only have five minutes left, but uh, that are that is the questions that I have seen. Uh, hopefully, there's more. Uh, again, I'll put your information in the show notes. Um, also, uh, I don't think I tell you this, but I am so Marilis uh, is doing a trip to the Holy Land and Jordan, and I'm going to be the chaplain uh, oh. with the Catholic traveler. So you should check that out. You should look into it. I'll send you that. You should come with us to the Holy Land. <laughs> but I am also going to be the Catholic chaplain for a pilgrimage to Hawaii uh, oh. next January to the island of Molokai. Have you been there yet? I've been to Molokai, but not the Kalaupapa side. Yeah, I, I have to give you the information on that. Uh, I don't know exactly the dates, but uh, going with Marilis's boss, Jason Jones, who okay. runs the, the Vulnerable People Project. Uh, do you know Jason Jones? Um, no, but I know people who know him because he is yeah. pretty connected in Hawaii. Yeah, he is. He's He lived there for like many, 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 many years. So, um, all right. Well, look... Um, Honestly, I've really enjoyed having you on. I you give great answers, well thought out. You're very respectful uh, of both sides, um, and honestly, I'm honored to have met you. Uh, and I I pray that this these episodes really do a lot of great work. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for your flexibility. Um, praise be Jesus Christ. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Please pray for me. Please pray for my ministry. Uh, please pray for my pride that it be crushed by God. Um, and I will pray for you and uh, let's please keep in touch. And thank you so much, Tyler. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Awesome. Awesome. And I, I hope that uh, you can connect with uh, Bishop Larry Silva. As I told you, I talked to him on the phone and he said that he'd, he'd love to connect with you uh, when he's back in uh, Hawaii, which I think he, he is. So um, no pressure, but anytime. <laughs> Sure. Thank you. All right. Awesome, Tyler. Let's uh, I'll sign off here and then I'll say goodbye to you officially. Thank you for joining me for a Holy Mess podcast. Please see the show notes in the description for this episode for more details and information about the topic and or our guest. You will find links and resources there to supplement this episode and help you along your messy but holy journey. Please also like, comment, subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this episode. I want to thank Mike Mangione for providing his song, Can You Love Me Falling, from his album Red Wing Blackbird Man to provide for the theme song of this podcast. Finally, Please note that while Father Paul Hoos is a priest for the Archdiocese of Newark, a Holy Mess with his Holy Mess podcast is not affiliated with the Archdiocese of Newark in any way, including but not limited to fundraising efforts. This podcast is purely the personal hobby, product, and evangelization effort of me, Father Paul Hoos. Please join us again next time for another Holy Mess of an episode. God bless. Yeah.